and welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down, episode number 94.0, and we are starting a new series. Uh, finally, it took us a long time to get through The Witcher, but uh, we are now moving on to Remember Me, uh, which is going to be 2013, I think, 2013 uh, game for PC, Xbox 360, and PlayStation 3. Uh, created by Don't Nod Entertainment, the same people that brought us Life is Strange. Uh, today I have with me Matt. Hello, friends. And Anthony. Hello. And <laughs> so, before we get into uh, Remember Me, uh, we do have an email that I want to read off. Uh, it comes in from Chad, and he missed our Witcher 3 wrap-up, and he wanted to send us an email just about Witcher 3, so I'm going to read that off now. Uh, it says, uh, sorry I missed writing in for last week's episode. I was away on vacation. Uh, so there you have it. Detlaf ended up being the big baddie in the end. Just think of all the destruction and mayhem that could have been avoided if Regis sat his boy down and said, 99 problems, yo. Bros before hoes. Uh, I guess Dracula had the same problem because he had such a hard-on for Mina Harker. Keanu, Hopkins, and Vigo wouldn't have gotten all up in his shit if he would have just let it go. And I was reading that and I said, Vigo. And I'm thinking the only Vigo I know, well, there's two Vigos I know. I know Vigo Mortensen and Vigo the Carpathian. I'm pretty sure Vigo the Carpathian is not in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Is Vigo Mortensen in Dracula? Or am I missing something? I looked something? it up. No. Um, Does not appear to be. Does, has Vigo Mortensen ever fought Dracula in a TV slash movie before? Not that I know of. He didn't play Van Helsing, did he? Who played Van Helsing? That was uh, Wolverine. That's right, Hugh Jackman. I, I you're going to have to explain to me, Chad, who Vigo is. Does somebody look like? How's it spelled? V i g g o. Oh, that's Vigo Mortensen. Yeah, yeah, it does have the double G. I mean. I don't know. He played. He played Lucifer once. Yes, he did. He was. Uh, he's been in a lot of things. A a movie that I believe is a unsung gem in the Viggo Mortensen uh, library is A History of Violence. If anybody has ever seen that movie. Uh, there's actually not many of his movies I would say I've seen. Really? Yeah. So, I really liked History of Violence, based on a graphic novel. Um, okay, anyway. To continue on. Um, it's interesting that you brought up Dark Shadows last week, because there is a small nod to that show in the DLC. I did actually see this. Uh, you may have noticed that Geralt insists on using his vineyard's Domos, full name, all of the time, Barnabas Basil. The main vampire in Dark Shadows is named Barnabas, and Saint Basil, or Basil, is known as the patron saint of vampires in Europe. It's an odd side story, 
I had dinner with David Shelby, Selby, once who played the werewolf Quentin Collins in the original cast of Dark Shadows. Long story short, someone at the party introduced me to him as a David Selby from Dark Shadows and Falcon Crest. Then he started reading poetry to us while we ate. Yeah, that's right. We posh up here in West by God, Virginia, with our poetry dinner parties and celebrities of the 60s and 70s fame. (laughs) Anyway, uh, the Detlef and Serena situation kind of reminds me of an episode from season one of Supernatural. It's one of the, it's the one with the faith healer where the evangel, evangelist, evangelion, evangelist, Uh, the evangelist's wife controls a reaper. It was all fun and games until she lost control, kind of like how Serena was manipulating Detlef. Uh, regarding the vampire in the coffin from the trailer that tells you to fuck off, that is from a secondary quest in Act 1 of the main campaign. The quest is called Tomb Untombed, and the coffin is located in the Novigrad sewers. Well, there you go. It actually wasn't in Blood and Wine. It was in the original game all along. I had a slightly different ending to you all. Uh, I told Damien that Serena meant to kill her sister and advised him not to say anything, but to stay on guard. I also didn't tell Henrietta. Either way, uh, they both ended up forgiving each other, and Detlaf was the only one dead by the end. The person that met me at the vineyard during the epilogue was Siri. In the main campaign, mm. I got the ending where she ended up taking over as the Empress of Nilfgaard. She said she used her position as an opportunity to tour Tersant and to visit Geralt. It was kind of nice as they sat under a tree, talked, and watched the sunset. It seemed fitting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All in all, I have to agree that Hearts of Stone is slightly better. However, both DLCs give us something very important. Hearts of Stone gave us Gunter Odim, but Blood and Wine gave us all of Tersant. I'm glad you finally had the opportunity to play through this one. It's very daunting and not for everyone, but I knew you guys would love it. Now you just have to find some time to replay it on the Death March difficulty. <laughs> uh, great episode, guys. Thanks again, Chad. Uh, yeah, Death March is something that intrigues me, but also scares me at the exact same time. So, Yeah. I like the idea of it, and I would love to watch you play through it, Drew, but I'm not sure I can <laughs> climb that mountain. Do you want to watch me play it? So I should stream, coming soon yeah, to Twitch TV, that I would do. Drew playing through The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt and all its DLCs on Death March difficulty. <laughs> the rest of 2020. Yeah, that would be all, because I would be playing that game forever. Not just because of how long it is, but because I will die a million times. I can't tell you how many times I died by just running somewhere and accidentally falling off a cliff. Yep. Especially like, right when we picked it back up uh, at the beginning of Blood and Wine. I, I did that a number of times. Yep. Always fun. But now we are going to be talking about our next game in our series, which is Remember Me. Like I said, it comes from Don't Nod. And published by Capcom. And yeah. This was uh, their first game. Debut this, title. This was their first game. Um, uh, which is kind of crazy because Remember Me 
has a few similarities to Life is Strange, but they are completely different games. So, uh, let's talk about our history with uh, the game itself. Uh, myself, I have always known about Remember Me. Um, I was working for ZTGD in 2013 when it released. I remember Ken talking about it, saying that it had really cool concepts. Um, and it was always one of those untalked about gems that was hidden away somewhere. Um, I, I purchased it on PC on Steam years ago. For like maybe seven bucks. I can't remember how much. It was a deep, deep discount. I bought that game. Uh, and then of course PlayStation Plus gave it for free on PlayStation 3. So I also have it there. Well, actually I don't have it there anymore because my PlayStation Plus has expired. I am, uh, I'm pretty much fully committed to getting a Series X. So, and I don't really play my PlayStation anymore. I, I haven't. The last thing I booted, the last time I booted it up was to play Horizon Zero Dawn. So, but, uh, yeah, uh, that's pretty much my history with it. I have never booted it up. I've owned it for years and finally I started playing it this week. How about you, Matt? Yeah, actually pretty similar. It's a game that I was aware of when it came out. You know, I like the concept, uh, you know, I generally like the idea of, of kind of the cyberpunk universe and also this one in particular with its maybe more flavorful take on cyberpunk, right? Because it's, it's grounded a bit more, um, you know, and it doesn't, doesn't have quite the same aesthetic as Blade Runner, although that's always, you know, the, the default compar- comparator. Uh, you know, I, I, I was interested in it. I liked the idea of a third person action game. You know, I, Everything about it was interesting to me, but it was just never high enough on my list to do anything about until they gave it away on, on the PlayStation. I said, all right, I, I can finally play this. Uh, so I've had it downloaded for ages on my PS3, ready to go. One of about six or seven games that uh, if I were to break a leg and have to sit on the couch for a month or two, I would love to just churn through all of them. But it's been sitting there waiting and ready for ages and uh i have also not booted it up until the last week well, there you go and anthony how about you i started this so i've bought this game twice well, there you go <laughs> um both both for like a total of less than 20 bucks i had it on ps3 um back when i was buying everything on ps3 i bought a new copy from work because it went on clearance back when target existed in canada and I decided to rebuy most of my PS3 catalog on Xbox because Xbox One has a lot of backwards compatibility, even though Remember Me is not on there. Really? Like, well, yeah, oddly enough, Remember Me is not backwards compatible. Um, but I was like, you know what, I'm okay with that because like, I'll pop it into my Xbox 360 and I'll go through my Xbox One anyways. Um, and I had played a bit of this before. And really never made it out of the first area. So I I liked what I had played at the time. And I wanted to go back to it. But I must have gone sidetracked with a review or something. Hmm. Okay. 
Well, I want to give a brief description of this game because it feels like a mix mash of a few games. Uh, it feels like the so <laughs> it it feels like Prince of Persia mixed with Life is Strange, yeah, and. I don't even know what the combat would feel like. Batman-ish? Um, yeah. That was my first Bad thought. Bad Batman, yes. Yeah. Batman, but not as good, yeah. I would... Uh, Alright, so I'm going to quote Jay Lee and say that it plays a lot like one of my favorite games, which is Hand of Fate. It plays a lot like Hand of Fate in the combat sequences. Um... I love Hand of Fate. Everybody knows this. Uh, but um, the combat, yeah. It, it, it feels a little weird. Like when you, you're you in an arena surrounded by probably three to four guys, if not more, and you have two attack buttons. And when you press an attack button, you kind of gravitate toward an enemy and hit them. Um, yep. I mean, sure. You you definitely don't cling to the enemies like Batman does, which I think is my biggest issue because like at sometimes I do hit air. Yeah. And it's like the reason why Batman's combat feels so good is Batman rarely hits air. He is usually right on to the next guy. Yeah. That's the whole point of this free flow combat, as they like to call it, is that it um. Batman is all about hit this guy, then this guy, then this guy, then this guy. You never repeatedly hit the same person, typically. It's all about moving around the battlefield. Um, but in this game, because the enemies take forever to kill, you have to constantly end up hitting the exact same guy a million times. Um, also, it's easier to get the combos off if you can get... You, you know, cull the weak one from the herd and try and just take him down. The My thing is, is that they have a dodge mechanic. So, obviously, just like Batman, an exclamation point shows up over a enemy's head. They're about to hit you. You can hit the A button or the X button, whatever you're, wherever you're playing, and you will do an automatic dodge. Now, it depends on the context, but you can do a backflip over somebody or, you know, just dodge out of the way. And typically, you're in the same vicinity. And the whole point of this is to continue your combo. But I have yet to dodge somebody and continued my combo. Am I doing it wrong? It, it works at random, I swear. Yeah, it, it's, it's completely random how the dodge mechanic moves into a combo. So I end up doing the first two strings of a combo. Dodge, first two strings of a combo. Yep. And I'm just like, because you have to dodge. There's so many things in this. Like, if you see an exclamation point, that means you need to dodge right now. It doesn't matter how far the enemy is, they're going to hit you, it seems like. And they set the combat up so that you do have to be aware of a lot of things simultaneously. Yeah. Which is, in and of itself, I think a good point, right? You can be dodging other people you can be dodging leaping enemies while you're dodging projectiles 
all that would be great if it didn't cause me to stop my combo after one or two connections every single time. Yes. The combo system sucks. And uh, I don't know, should, should we jump into, are we, are we just going into the full combat? Are we doing this in order of how we actually come to find out this is trash? Because I, I really, really like the idea of the combat. Whenever the combat, okay, well, let's just do the combat then. Um, okay. The combat, in theory, is neat. That you get to choose what the presses do for your characters. Some heal health, some... Uh, regen the time on your special abilities, um, and uh, which is yeah, more important than I thought. It's <laughs> way, yes. way yes. more important. Um, and then there's the one that if you put it at- attached to something, it uh, it, it like double or it's like the doubler or whatever, where it adds to whatever you did. Which I put on damage all the time because it would just be, like I put it on the end of a smaller combo and. So I had the like actual damage hit like button press, and then I would do that one, and it would be this extremely devastating like punch that would knock most enemies out. But it, it doesn't. The game doesn't unlock. First of all, the game doesn't give you enough keys to unlock abilities, and when you have enough keys, it doesn't seem like there's enough buttons to unlock. Like the combos are already made. You don't get to just put a bunch of X's together. You have to be like X, or sorry, it's Y, X, Y, X, Y is a combo. And to f- the y- the first button is always set in stone, but then all the other ones you get to choose. Well, if you don't have any, enough buttons to fill that, that combo doesn't exist, really. You only get to go up to four, not five, you know? And it's a neat concept that doesn't work, and I never want to see it again. <laughs> it would work if it was more free-flowing. It yeah, would work if there was... a little bit more variety on how you assembled them. Well, I think it would be better if there was another button. There's, there's also the issue of, while you're in combat, there are two things fighting against a player more than any enemy in the game. And that is the camera and the arenas. The yeah. arenas are far too small I, for this. Are you talking about the one that where you come out of the sewer and you have to fight the two guys that are jumping and then the big guy? Yes, that's part yeah. of it, yeah. Yeah, that was that was the that was the biggest pain in the ass fight. And the camera and, loves to get right in Nillen's face, and yeah, I'm like, I can't, low. I can't we, see, we, I can't see what I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not trying to take over your podcast, Drew, but there, I think we have to <laughs> start talking about the story because there are going to be key moments and abilities that we get that make combat even worse. This is true. Well, I tell you what, so. you can totally take over if you want, <laughs> because I'll be honest with you. I have been halfway paying attention to the story. Well, all right. Um, so, starts off with Nillen inside a fortress. Nillen is the main character. I know it's a dumb name. I don't fully understand why. It's just apparently that's a name now. Maybe that's a normal name. Maybe that's a French name. I've just never heard it before at all. Why does everybody talk like they're from Boston or British? Okay. 
I don't think Nillen is a real name because if you type that into Google, the character is the only thing that pops up. So, okay. um, yeah, for a Neo Paris, everybody has non-French accents except for like a random citizen or two, and maybe a ma- like a character you see for like one cutscene. Um, I'm just gonna read it off of Wikipedia because fuck it, I'm not. I don't remember a lot of this game either. Um, yeah, it's pretty awkward that so far in the four or five hours, the opening chapter, the prologue, is probably my favorite. Yeah. Um, Something actually is, happens. The game is set in 2084, a futuristic version of Paris called Neo-Paris. Now, here's a thing that I'm just going to break in with. I don't even know if Neo-Paris is in actual France. They they have not addressed any of that because the world is such a futuristic world and stuff that like it doesn't doesn't no anyways it could um, be like Little Italy anywhere yeah yeah um the company the sorry the corporation Memorize has made a new brain implant called a Sensen which enables ninety nine percent of the population to upload and share their memories on the net as well as remove unhappy or unpleasant memories. Um, which you'll actually see on the streets of people buying fake memories, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and memories are almost used as, like, currency, which is very odd and a neat concept. However, the corporation Memorize has made the world a surveillance state, uh, and you are part of the rebel group, the Errorists, which... <laughs> It sounds like a French person trying to say terrorists, but not pronouncing the first T. And it annoys the shit out of me every time. Um, And they are trying to take down the corporation. And in fact, you are an errorist. Um, And Millen is imprisoned in the Bastille Fortress and is basically having her memory wiped by Memorize. Um, And is broken out by somebody named Edge who hacks in and helps you escape. Um, And as you escape, you are sort of dropped into the the slums of the city where there are these sort of zombie-looking people called Leapers who are addicted to memories... uh, they never explain it, but this is this is literally what it's saying on Wikipedia. Um, they are memory-addicted humans who have absorbed so many memories that their sentence has degraded and they have mutated into subhuman form. I, I, will, I will criticize that in a moment, but you punch a bunch of those out and you have to make your way to a bar. And so through this sequence of climbing stuff that's very much Prince of Persia but not as cool. Um it and like I say Uncharted Prince of... more than anything. Yeah. 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 I feel like the game was a little more gamey, right? Like I, I don't know how to put it. Like but yes, it's very much the same Uncharted sort of like you're climbing it and and not really puzzle solving as of right now. Um, and, early and on, no real fear of failure. Yeah, 
So you're going along, and eventually we come across a gigantic leaper. I don't know how the fuck your body mutates around absorbing memories, but that's a thing that happens. And so you fight the smaller leapers who he's eating the memories of, and then you kill the big Hulk leaper thing. And you keep going. Just something to slow the combat down a little more. <sighs> yeah, because that the, this game is just really good at key. It, like it doesn't want to stop introducing crap, and it's annoying. I think um, it's because it's so short. No, sorry. That I mean, look, I, you and I don't like Uncharted, but you brought it up, so I'm going to use that as an example. Uncharted half like halfway through, you know, a fairly short game isn't going. Hey, guess what? Here's a new thing. A new like ability. always, yeah, th- it's I think, always. I think they're doing that because all you're doing is the same thing over and over again. So to keep it fresh, they're adding uh, new things well, constantly. Well, let's, so we finally get to the bar because I mean there really isn't much to say. You, you go around. There's these neat ideas of like, oh, another. Terrorist has left a package for you and here's a picture, but if you just explore enough, you'll usually find them without having to really look. Um, and they have health upgrades and eventually there's other ones. Anyways, we finally get to the bar run by Tommy, who reminds me of, like, Barrett. A little in bit. In terms of yeah. the, the position he has. And Tommy says... Here's your stuff. Because like, get out of the the clothes you're in, and he put in your like actual clothes. And here's a glove that allows you to remix memories. Just be glad that the assassin Olga is not here. She's looking for you, or or bounty hunter and uh, Olga is here. So Olga jumps down and is like, "I'm actually here, baba. Like, I'm gonna take you back." Like, wow, what great timing! Like, there is zero from the. From the point he mentions it to when it happens, there was almost zero build-up. And I'm like, wow. So you didn't even let that one sit into my, like, and just let it wait. like. And she kind of struggles. Uh, like, you're struggling to fight her. And Nilan puts her new gauntlet hand to the back of Olga's mind. And we enter the best part of this game. <laughs> Yep, remixing of the memories. This is this is the prototype of Life is Strange. It basically. is. It is. You are basically going through and using like the old VHS tracking to find moments in the memory that you can basically just kind of nudge in a specific direction to make that person think something has happened. You are basically well, you're remixing the memory. You are making them think something happened that is totally fake. And with Olga, you need to make it so she thinks her husband has died. Because he. I think he's turning into a leaper. I think is kind of what's suggested. And she's trying to save him. So you have to basically keep going until it looks like the doctor has killed her husband to give her a reason why she would help you. 
How many times did you guys do this? Um, I mean, I didn't screw up. I just had to reverse it a few times. So, oh, I screwed up and had her accidentally die. Yeah, I, I did do that. Yeah. Yep. Um, the game is still throwing you. You're still kind of in the tutorial phase at this point. And it's like, oh, you need to change something. And it says, remember, if you're dead, you can't remember it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah. So the reason why she's after Nellen is because she's a bounty hunter. And after saving her husband, is it her husband or her brother? I can't remember. Husband. Husband. So after saving her husband, the doctor's like, okay, you're going to have a big bill, medical bill for this. And she's like, okay. Well, there's a big bounty on this Nillin character. I'll go after her. But, um, so if you change it to where he's actually dead, she's like, oh, I don't owe this bill. And also, they killed my husband, so now I want to go after them. Um, but there's multiple things that you had. So, I, 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 while I was remixing this memory, I was thinking, this is going to happen again. But it's not going to be like this. Because in this... You basically have to change everything except for one thing. And... No, there's a couple things that if you remake... Like, if you switch that one switch, it kills Olga in the memory. There's another thing that does nothing uh, if you use it. Um, you, you, you do kind of have to do everything, but you can totally... If you miss the first one, like the whole thing falls apart. Right. So it is a you you can kind of work your way backwards through each sort of thing. Like oh, the mask comes loose, uh, or oh, the the arm, you know, um, lock comes loose and stuff. So you kind of work your way backwards. Like that didn't work. Oh, okay, I'll need that after I did the thing before it. So, but it, it's a very interesting moment and i was like okay this is cool i can't wait to do more of this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah <sighs> it, it, I, i'm assuming this probably only happens about like three times i'm gonna guess four yeah maybe four yeah so, i was gonna guess four so at this point i should bring up and i told you already drew that kind this kind of thing reminds me of the movie the final cut with robin williams where he it's a bit different but everybody has like basically a recorder in their head or like a lot of rich people do and he sort of chops up the memories and like removes the sort of questionable stuff to present them at memorials. I, I, so know, I edits... know what you're thinking of because I remember this scene and it still sticks to me this day. I've only seen that movie once and it was whenever it first came out, like in 09. And I still remember it. There's a scene where he is straight up deleting all the times that this dead guy masturbated. Yes. <laughs> no, that I actually wasn't thinking that. Um, but that is a moment in that. Um, no, I'm thinking about the fact that there's a moment early on where one of the guys at the funeral kind of walks up and says, I thought that boat was red or something like that. And like in the memory, it's blue. And I know that's such a weird thing. Cause it's like probably something Robin Williams, character didn't do, 
But it was one of those moments where, like, what if he did do that? What a weird choice, right? Like, so it kind of reminded me of that, like, just being able to edit the memories of someone. Um, I don't know why that movie, like, that movie otherwise doesn't really stick out to me other than kind of being a neat concept, which I guess in theory this game is too. But, um... I should note that this whole time we've been playing kind of Uncharted mixed with a really mediocre brawler. Yeah. Really mediocre brawler. Yeah, I... Then the the problem is, is that the thing that's most present in this game is the fighting. Yep. Yeah. More than I expected and more than I want. Yeah. Yeah. So... After after remixing Olga's memory, she helps us and transports us to what looks like a French city. It's it's the Saint uh, Saint Michel district, and we are we meet up with Bad Request, who uh, is another errorist um, who's a big fan of Nolan. Um, and we take his memories and sort of watch his memories go through areas, and this is their way of having us navigate the minefield that is a bunch of drones. Yep. And, look, the this section, I still like this game a lot. I think the visuals are really neat. It's kind of reminding me of... Um, a, a kitty's first mirror's edge because it's nowhere near as difficult. Um, and I'm like, all right, we are going to steal a, an architect's sort of memory. And, or sorry, codes. So we go and get the codes in the most boring-ass fucking moment. We, we, we do all this parkour and all this useless fighting, which I will say, fighting the guards was way f- cooler than fighting the mutants. Mutants. However, it's still just fighting. So we go through, and all, the the moment we steal the memory, I'm like, oh, we're gonna remix the memory to find out, right? No, it's just a cutscene, and we are heading up to the roof to give it back to uh, Edge. After we've stealed, stolen the codes, um, but um, this whole time we're going to the city, there's this this ad of a guy named Christmas, Kid which is Christmas. spelled Xmas. Kid Christmas, Kid Christmas which, yeah, which is spelled Xmas. Um, and uh, Nilan says that she remembers him, and that he's a sellout. He used to be an errorist like her. And now he works for the corporation, and he's kind of like a, a TV, TV star. Yeah, I don't fucking know. He's like a streamer. And yeah, yeah. And we go and fight him, and because he he's the one that's kind of intercepting our signal to um, uh, Edge, so we can't give him the codes that he's looking for, and so we end up fighting him, and he's got this, like, gun thing that shoots data, but I will say this, the arena that he sets up is this digital arena. Yeah, it looks like a a cage. 
Yes, and the way the sky looks has this, like, um, pixel-sorted sort of sky. Everything's kind of glitchy-looking. And the one thing that I have to give this game is the the moments where the visuals sort of look glitchy and the music sounds that way. Like, it's this, it's this clearly this orchestrated piece, but then it has these moments where it keeps skipping on purpose. Yeah. Really neat for a game that's, like, very much trying to be cyberpunk yeah it's not the standard synth score that you'd get with like you know trying to sound like what you think Vangelis's score for uh blade runner sounds like hmm. and it's not um just classical it's 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 a very much its own sort of thing um and i'll talk about the music after um but we on, on top of that i do want to mention that I think it's cool that, and I can see where they're going for with the combat. The music amps up and has like almost like lyrics to it when you're doing better in combat. I wouldn't know that. Apparently, I'm very bad at combat. <laughs> yeah, if you if you continue stringing the combo, it, it starts ramping up more. Fuck it, I'll just say it now. Um, the composer is Olivier... I don't know how to pronounce it. Derivier, um, Who is is the composer for a ton of stuff, including my game of the year, which is Streets of... As of right now, which is Streets of Rage 4. Greedfall. A Plague Tale Innocence. Mm. Uh, Vampire. Busy get, get Even. Get Even's soundtrack... And sound design is some of the best I've had in video games in probably is, a decade. This this guy is 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 totally underrated because his score for uh, Streets of Rage Four is so different. Like he has such a range. Uh, I'll just keep going because um, he's done Bound he, Bound by Flame was him. Really? Mm. Yes, Assassin's Creed Four, Black Flag, Freedom Cry, Remember Me of Orcs and Men. Um, Might and Magic Heroes Kingdom. He did the Tangled video game soundtrack, Alone in the Dark. Oh shit! Like <laughs> the only good thing about Alone in the Dark, and it's him. Look at that. He's 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 like a very smart composer. Like and 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 it's funny because you mentioned how the music does better. Like one of the best moments in. Um, get even is the moment where you're going through the courtyard and the music ramps up and it's this really weird pop song. I really hope he was the one that did the whole, uh, when you're walking through the hallways of the insane asylum and you hear the crazy people, you think they're saying the party, the party, and it slowly morphs into something else. And then you meet that person. Mm. <laughs> it's so freaking good because I was playing with a headset on and I was like this is so freaking creepy right now and then it just culminates into this epic moment and I was like this is fantastic whoever did whoever thought of this is a genius so I, I just yeah every time he shows up I need to give him credit because he seems to consistently be one of the best and most underrated composers. He's apparently doing music for Dying Light 2, which is 
I, I have mixed feelings. I know you'll do a good job, but I really liked the soundtrack from the original Dying Light. I really did, too. It um, sounded like a John Carpenter gig. Yes, and that composer, uh, Pavel, um, I don't remember his last name. He's he's a fantastic composer, too, but yeah, the, he's... Anyways, sorry, we're going to turn into a <laughs> the, the love fest of Olivier... Um, I, I'm pronouncing his name wrong, I'm sure. I, I, I look at his name and I can't say it right. That it just If somebody knows, try to write that out for me. <laughs> um, send it to Drew and he'll pass it along. There you go. Um, so after defeating Kid Christmas, we get his arm cannon thing. His mega buster. <sighs> and now there's a new game mechanic of having to shoot things arbitrarily to open doors. I don't I don't inherently dislike the accrual of abilities. I, I mean at least it changes things up. I don't in theory, but this is the same this is the portal gun in Darksiders. It's so you, you like it doesn't feel necessary because it, I can't I can't just make it feel organic. Like the game has to literally change how it plays when I use the gun. Yeah, I, you know, I it think it has that... to go into a third-person camera over the shoulder sort of thing, and it's like, well, if you have to change the the feeling of it, this doesn't ver- work very well. Yeah, I I, I kind of thought the same thing. I'm like, it. I don't feel like I'm like the way this would work best is if you have a little bit more variety in the way you approach things. But everything is so clear. It's so premeditated in the same way that there's also no real exploration in the game. I mean, there is a a little bit, but you see so much of this world in tiny, tiny snippets. And, you know, I, I just I saw that as a little bit of a parallel where there's a world here. That could be great, but I can't explore it. There's combat here that on paper sounds great, but I don't have the ability to move within its confines and figure out how I want to play it. I I, I don't know. I, I just this game to me has a lot of potential and doesn't really execute on most of it. And that the combat is 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 a main part of it because it ends up. It ends up where I I, I like the boss fights a lot because they're a bit different. And there's a little bit of trying to figure out what I need to do, but that's a, such a small percentage of all the time you spend fighting that, uh, you know, it's it's just not where it needs to be, I the, think. I think the problem is is that there's, especially about halfway through this play session, they start incorporating a lot of this stuff into the combat, and it would be fine if they incorporate it in an optional manner. The problem is... I would enjoy the boss fights a lot more if I didn't have to wait for my stinking cooldowns to actually do damage to the boss. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that boss fight because I have things to say. So, <laughs> Edge takes the codes, opens up the St. Michelle Dam, it, like, floods the district, and basically all the flood water comes out of the slums. So, so now... Let's, let's, I, I want to stop right there because that's... This I have a major issue with this. Why did they gloss over that? 
because they glossed over that real quickly. They they went to a cut scene with Nillen talking to herself, and then a uh, a report a reporter on TV saying, "Oh no, this happened." And then it and it's like four days later. What? Yeah, I thought the yeah. same thing, but I ended up stopping and restarting at that point. So I actually saw that cutscene twice, kind of cemented in there. I'm like, oh yeah, she needs to find this guy. Uh, he's down in the lower slums, you know. I guess sure. Well, well, yeah, I guess they they gloss over kind of the impact of the action for sure. It happened. Be quiet. All right, moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It, it it feels weird. They're like, yeah, so a bunch of people died. Moving on. Like, all right, I suppose. So, oh, they were rich people anyway. So, screw yeah, them. yeah. Th- this game has a really. This game is trying to say something, and it's doing it very poorly. Like, it's trying to be anti-corporation, which, to be fair, is a lot of um, cyberpunk stories. And I get it. it Way better. Yeah, and that's the issue. Like, oh, this is handled so kind of poorly. Like, it just... I don't know where the story's going, even as of, like, halfway through. Because where I'm at halfway through feels like the logical conclusion, but apparently it's not. So the idea is that we have to get back into the Bastille, which is where we started, um, to get the memories back. However, we can't make it back into the Bastille because we don't know how. So we got to go back through the slums and find a guy named Johnny Greenteeth. And so... (laughs) We have no idea what Johnny Greenteeth looks like. He's apparently like a legend who knows the ways of the slums and sewers. And um, after making our way through a bunch of fucking trash, we finally get back to the bar and are uh, talking to... God, I don't remember the names of these people. Uh, Tommy. Tommy. And Tommy's like, my bar's a fucking mess, but you'll have to go down in the sewers. And he hands us this new upgrade for the gun we just got, which has a power shot, which allows us to destroy things in the environment. And by that I mean things that glow (laughs) and are clearly destroyable. (laughs) And when we use it, we can no longer shoot our gun. Cannon thing. But we have to use it to close something. I don't really know what we were trying to do. We were trying to close a door to the sewer that we were about to enter or something. Didn't make any sense to me. And we had to yeah, fight a bunch of those. The leapers are, are flooding out of it, apparently. Yeah, so we had to fight a bunch of leapers. And I... Yep. And as we're going through this, like, we've had... This is the, what, the second time we get an ability or the third time? Uh, third. no, or the first, or first, third. Okay, so at this point we have the. Oh, I skipped over a part. As we're heading back to Tommy's bar, I'm pretty sure this is where we meet the invisible leapers. Yes. Yep. Because nothing in video games is more fun than fighting invisible enemies. You have to arbitrarily do something to see. Nothing. Except enemies that kill you in one hit. 
as Drew pointed out to me. But fucking true. invisible enemies. So you have to hit a light, which then exposes them, and then you can hit them, and then the light goes off, so you have to hit the light again. Instead of just... Because combat is already so much fun. Here's a thing that you should do during combat. You know what? If this was Batman, you know what would have happened? They could have threw I would have loved it. They could they would have they would have threw invisible enemies at Batman and you know what would have happened? He would have to pay attention to his surroundings and then detect that he's about to get attacked and then the enemy can be attacked then because he mm-hmm. countered them. In this game, you have to have the light. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Or you can use your special ability to hack everybody. Yeah, you have an ability that allows you to freeze everybody in place and stun them. There's a fury mode, and I think by this point we have the... um, No, the other two we get later on. Alright, so fuck it, we're going through, and we now are entering the sewers to find John Agurinti! Because it sounds like a redneck name. And I mean, what do you want me? What do you want me to describe? It's the sewers. There's a one point where you come out of one part of the sewers and have to fight one of the Hulk guys again, who has the other fucking leapers jumping up the walls, and they also attack you, and you have to defeat them before you can defeat him. And the camera is absolutely the biggest enemy in that one segment. Yeah. And I was like, fuck this. I can't see where the guys are jumping. I can't lock onto them because the shooting in this game sucks. That's that's one of the biggest problems. Once again, we go back to Batman's combat. Batman has the ability to throw projectiles, a.k.a. the Batarang. And you know what he does? You press the R1 button one time, and he automatically throws a Batarang at somebody and stuns them. Mm-hmm. In this game, if you you have to press, you have to pull down the right bumper and then press the, or pull down the left bumper and then press the right bumper. Which then brings you into a third-person shooter mode. But it's so bad. And then you're it's getting so hit bad. while you're in your third-person shooter and mode. And the third-person shooter mode sucks. It doesn't feel good to play. You know how this game could have been better? It goes the Devil May Cry style. You know? Like, yeah, fuck, it's so bad. Like, nothing in this game that you're... Sh- like, you're never just randomly shooting stuff. Everything is, like, targetable. Right? Like, it should just be that way. Like, uh, anyways, it'd make this game a lot better, but it's not. Um, and then you go on, and you find, you you basically enter the sewers, and you go... Again, I don't know how to describe the sewers. Picture the sewers. Picture, like, a broken city. You got it. This is exactly... Like, the futuristic part of Paris was interesting, but they keep putting us into the slums. And to be honest with you, the slums are boring to look at. Yeah, Absolutely. I don't think they're interesting. Look at Blade Runner. Look at Final Fantasy VII, the original even. Look how they did the slums. Like, it felt like not just, like, the, a poor part of the city. It, it it felt like a different world. And the slums in this game just look like the generic slums of everything. It's like, oh, it's the shanty town that's built on top of each other. Like, I'm tired of seeing that. Like, this needs to be a bit different. Um, in like, yeah, just, so we're going through now a 
wrecked version of the city that was like previously flooded and eventually we get into um I don't even know if we've been in the city yet, sorry, it's all blurring together and it's not like this is written down in the um Wikipedia article. We go through and we Subway. enter Subway and we actually have to enter one of the train cars. And by the way, I'm cutting out every piece of combat we have. If I had counted that, I would have gone insane. So if we go into the train car and we walk through, and it kind of feels like a horror movie, and we get to somebody and he's kind of looking over and he looks like a doctor or something, and then he stands up and all of a sudden he's a different, weird-looking leaper. And this is Johnny Greenteeth. Greenteeth. And this is the most interesting fight of the game, in my opinion, so far. Because he, you are running away from him, and you run into an extra train car, and you are fighting in the train car. And, like, eventually you have to close the door on him, because he is... You are trying to make it to the controls... He is basically outrunning you, I assume, on the outside of the train, because he cuts you off eventually. Um, because the train has started moving. And you are fighting inside, but you were also having to close the door by hitting, like, switches. So you are doing a bit of... You, you shoot with the power shot, which, again, drains your whole, sh like, gun. Um, you fight some guys, and then you have to hit the other switch, and it closes the door on him. But you have to take his memories first, and then the train crashes. Randomly, because sure, I did. Was that explained, or was it just like the train crashed randomly? Train crash. Cool. <laughs> Action. Then movie. we go through. Yeah, we go through in the wreckage, and we're in this like broken down city that was originally flooded. And then, it just as about just as we're about to enter the uh, Bastille, a giant robot comes out and fights us. At least there's something different, I said. And then I fought it and went, I really fucking hate this fight. I thought it was pretty easy once I figured it out. Once I figured it out, but like dodging that first projectile he threw is, is near impossible. I swear, I, every time I'd get hit by it, I'm like, I don't... Yeah, my problem was just that third phase when he starts like stomping on the ground or uh, exploding yeah. out of his chest. But... We we beat them. We beat them, and fun. They tell us, "Hey, fun fact, everybody. Um, robots, you don't fight. You shoot." Yeah. So now we have to use. Now we have to use our gun on him. But the thing is, is that eventually you need the power shot. But the power shot needs like full power to use. Yes. And if you use the power shot, then you can't use the standard. And every time we fight a boss, you have to do a quick time event. Oh my god! I <laughs> they do the one thing I can't stand. And the thing is, in 2013, we were kind of already past that, right? We were past the you beat the boss in a hard fight, and now you've got to finish a quick time event. And if you don't, it sets you back. It and sets he heals you back. A bit. Yeah, and he heals a little bit. Yeah. Didn't we move past that since 2013? Well, We'll talk about that at the end of the episode, but I have a feeling that's carryover from development. Okay. Mm. So, we enter the Bastille. It's a prison. At first, it's like, oh, okay, we're in the Bastille. It's kind of like this factory, and there's some those leapers and stuff. And I'm like, cool. 
And then it gets into the prison section, and it's just a bunch of hallways. And yeah, you they, fight... could, they could have really made that less interesting. Yeah. Yeah, futuristic prison. It looks like a modern-day prison, sort of. And there's some neat stuff. There's, like, a moment where we have to... Um... Oh, I forgot. Sorry, we stole Johnny Green uh, Green Teeth's uh, memories and had to walk through a minefield. A literal minefield this time. Instead of just robots uh, that have lasers that kill you instantly. Yeah, the robots that kill you instantly with their lasers. Uh, the Apparently she can uh, take a, a explosion of a mine like a champ. Yes. I didn't, <laughs> Which I just did. I, I, yeah, I, eventually I just like, ran I through fall. it. It's it, eventually it's it's such a pain in the ass because every time you go into the the memory like watching someone's memories and you have to follow them, she ducks and the movement in this game is so poor that yeah. any time you have to be specific, she like changes her stance. So this whole time that you're getting used to this character and how she moves, which isn't very good, she changes and it doesn't work the same way. Or am I crazy? Like, does she not move differently when she's ducked? Yes, she does. Okay. It it's it's like what a useless thing. And what like it, it, it? How she reacts to you pushing the analog stick? It's just this infuriating rage as I ran through that minefield. And the reason why I remembered that is because in in the Bastille, you get a piece that allows you to just see. The the vision cones of the drones now because we're done with that. We're done with you looking at memories. So it's funny. I, I thought that was a conti- I thought it was a continual issue and uh, the the movement. I mean, and at first it's funny because the only problem I had with it was that it pulled me out of being able to like feel like I was in this city. I'm like. The way they force you to walk in all the cutscenes when they kind of they, they pull you into like these mini cutscenes, I wanted to sometimes just walk and see like see Neo Paris. I wanted to see the the streets and the high rises and all that, and I just kind of wanted to walk through that world and experience it. But since you don't get to go anywhere in the world, and she runs like she's on crack, just walking like her walk should be her run, but. I, I, I don't know that like my first thought was I don't like the way she moves because it's messing up my ability to see the world. And then, you know, when it comes to th- things like minds, I'm like, all right, now I don't like the movement because it's actually negatively impacting my game life. Yeah. That's when I really noticed it. Although I had noticed it a little bit before, but it just ugh, insufferable at that point. Um, so we go through kind of the back and way through and um, we have to steal the memory of a security guard. Yes. So we beat up a bunch of security guards um, in a locker room. And we don't get to remix this guy's memories like I was hoping. No, we just take them and overload him and leave. And now we watch his memories, which are really easy because we don't have to follow him through a minefield. And then we, God, we, I don't even remember what happens. Oh, um, we have to go through the main sort of prison area where they're holding all the prisoners. And 
avoid a light because video games. Yeah, the, and... the, the security guard informed the madam. The madam. I guess the 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 head of the Bastille. Yeah, what do they call that? Um, Warden. Warden. Yes. Thank you. And um, yeah, she's like, okay, we'll we'll take care of this, and she turns on this giant machine in the middle of the um, this like the circular block. And it's... she turns on the lantern of truth. Yep. And it uh, it erases everybody's memory who is inside the the light. So we have to do the whole stay behind cover while the light goes. Stand by. behind this pillar. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We eventually make it to where we find out she's holding bad request. Yeah. And is taking his memories from him? Yes. Well, before we get to that, don't we have to fight a bunch of flying robots? Because now we have to shoot things that are in the sky while fighting guys on the ground? Yeah, we we get introduced to, like, two different types of robots here. Yeah. Remember, robots can't be defeated with fighting. So there's ones that fly in the sky and shoot at you that are nearly impossible to dodge. And the whole time there's guys that want to punch you in the face. Yes. And now they have an ability to drain all your specials because, cool. Yeah. And then there's a robot that jumps up in the air and then comes down like a cannonball and then will explode. And you have to fight those guys, again, with the blaster while fighting uh, humans. Anyways, we, we get to the Brad request scene. Excuse me. We steal the ma- the madam's um, memories while she's sort of interrogating him. She leans up against the uh, two way mirror or one way mirror or whatever you want to call it, um, and we start going through. But she's clearly kind of expected us to steal the memory somehow. So somehow she's made a false memory and a real memory, and you have to go through and fucking you just follow the path again this whole game is just follow the path um aim at the like when they're doing something to the computer jam on the button a lot and then you can do the thing as well um so we get through and we go up to the memory thing and then we have to fight this warden after fighting a bunch of ghost soldiers. Yeah, memory soldiers. Which you had to, I think I had to shoot as well. I don't know. I, I defeated them by shooting them. Fuck it. So, so before you start that, we do get another ability. It's the bomb. Oh, yeah. That only works on robotics. I have to say it's actually a cool gimmick. You throw a bomb on a robot and... It creates a black hole that sucks in enemies and then explodes. Yeah. The other ability is you can put a bomb on a guy and it knocks everybody back. Yeah. Yeah. So these are our four abilities that we have. Yeah. So the robot con- ability is cool. It controls the robot, right? Well, it, One you of know, them. it just, that's what it says it does, but really it just makes a black hole on the robot, sucks everybody in, then explodes. I, I didn't see the robot shoot anyone. Yeah, I didn't see the robot shoot anyone, but I also 
the explosion didn't kill it, and then it didn't attack me. So uh, maybe if it was helping me, it was about the most useless ally I've I, ever had. I don't, I don't think that that ability was playtested enough. Um. Uh, so uh, we've got we've got the fury mode. We've got the uh, freeze the slash fr- shock, yeah, the stun thing. Yeah, we've got the fun. the pulse bomb that then uh, detonates on a robot, and, and then the bomb that goes on a guy, and then the bomb that goes on a guy. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So it's time to fight a lady. It's time to fight the madam. We fight in memory land. Yep. And at first it's just this platforming in this sort of like abstract world. And I was like, kind of cool. And then you start fighting memory soldiers and you have to shoot her while she's floating. She falls down. You run over. You punch and kick her a couple times. And then... And then you can't (laughs) shoot her anymore. Yeah. After a couple times. Yeah, the second phase you can't shoot her and stun her down. You have to use the EMP like stun move, and I had to. Mess you with... have to yeah. basically wait because even having enough moves to punch and kick doesn't drop the timer on that because the timer is not sixty seconds; it's a hundred and twenty. Yeah. So even if you knock, like it's a minute at least. So you you have to dodge all of her projectiles that fall from the ground, uh, fall from the sky. And then you have to, so you're running around, then you have to fight a couple soldiers, and then you do the thing, you run over, you can punch her a couple times, and you have to keep doing that over and over and over and over again. It is one of the most irritating boss fights. Because it's not hard, it's just... Monotonous. Yeah, fuck. And then you fight her in the third round, and that was easy, because it just goes back to kind of what it was originally. Yeah. There's a bunch of robots flying around. Ignore them. Shoot her. If she falls, punch her in the face. But you got to figure out which one's her, though. And yeah. if you make the wrong choice three times, you miss your chance. Yep. And that was really annoying too. But yep. it was it was not as monotonous as <laughs> fucking waiting for a timer to click down before I could attack again. Yeah, that, see, that was... that, that's where I wanted this game to be good, though, because it gives you the opportunity to update your combos. Like, I, I like the idea, again, in concept, that you have to change your com- – like, because they don't give you very many combo slots. There's only, like, th- two combos, three combos? Three combos. Like, st- strings that you can Four. build? Four. The fourth Is one there's... becomes so absor- absurd. Yeah, there's Four. Like, there's the three, there's five, there's seven, and then I want to say it's eight or nine. So at this point, there's only three, five. Yeah, my thinking, like, the the last, the last two, like, I pulled off the last, like, the third one once, and I don't even have enough to do the the fourth one. I I don't know, man, it's a mess. but I, I love the idea that you've got these different combo chains and you can customize them and say, all right, if I know I'm going to be in a battle that requires me to drop these cooldowns, I can construct my combo in a way that will maximize the reduction in cooldown time. And I can balance that with, do I want a, a little bit of life in this? Do I just want maximum 
you know, cooldown time reduction? Do I still want to do damage as well? I like, I love that in concept because it gives you that flexibility to, you know, and this is, this fight was an example of where you, you want to maximize it. You're not really worrying necessarily about gaining life or, or if you are, you can associate it to a different combo. But I love the idea that, yeah, I, I realize now that I, I really need to drop these. Uh, recharge times because I'm going to have to do this so repetitively. Had I known this, I would have unlocked all the cooldown pressings first. Yeah. But but I I love that idea though, right? Because they can then remix that and throw all different kinds of scenarios at you where you can tailor your your combos to it. And to me, that's a really cool way to link the boring combat and to provide some context for the boring combat in a way that benefits the the boss fights, which I wouldn't call combat because they're so different from the, the boring monotony of regular combat. Yeah. I, I don't know. Again, on paper, I actually really like the whole system. I just, I, I don't know. I don't feel like they give you quite enough incentive for it and, and there's not enough flexibility. I If they were going to lock me to say, 10 combo pieces I wish I had the opportunity to say well I want 5 2 hit combos or you know a 4 and a 6 or you know 3 3's and a 1 whatever whatever. I I wish I had more flexibility on making my combos uh, but I I don't know it's a weird disconnect between loving that screen and what it implies to me that I'll be able to do and then the reality of the game which is I can't or don't do any of it yeah. I just um dude, I don't know. Yeah. So we defeat the madam, we basically overload her memories. We then have a new fucking ability again. Just stop it. Stop it because I know I'm gonna have to use this in combat against something, I am sure. We have a tether beam now that allows us to move stuff and we do one of the most stupid puzzles. Of just moving shit across a room. And we free everybody's memories. And they all burst out. And everybody's got their memories back. Except Nilan, who only has partial memories. And then we see that she killed the man by accident by remixing his memories. And then we get to remix his memories. So this is now twice that we've gotten to do the best part of this game. Yeah. And... I mean, there's really not much to say. It's the same sort of thing. We have to keep doing it, except that over and over until we get it right, which I had to do this one a lot because I thought I had it, but if you you have to move... Like, there's one part where you have to do something in this memory that doesn't make any sense to the situation. So you have to have it so the alcohol bottle falls on the ground. So he doesn't grab the alcohol bottle when he throws it. Or when he when he gets up, he doesn't pick up the alcohol bottle. He because the alcohol bottle's on the ground. So he gets up, he trips on it, and if you haven't pushed it in this stool, he hits his head on the table and dies. But if you push in the stool or the um what is it? Um whatever. Who gives a shit? The um uh if you push in the stool, for some reason he now doesn't hit his head on the table, even though the table hasn't moved. It didn't make any sense to me. 
that that whole thing did not make any sense to me. I don't know why the um the ottoman or whatever. I think it's an ottoman. Why it has to be pushed towards the table other than when he gets up, he puts his hand on it. He didn't fall and have his head hit the ottoman. He has his head hit the table and break his neck when he trips and falls in the memory. So, like, anyways, you convince him that he's killed his girlfriend in, like, a drunken rage. He gets so upset with himself that he kills himself. Okay. And this is the end of Chapter 4, basically. So I did not remix it yet. I had to stop to do this recording. Well, there's still more to it, but it's 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 one of the like like I want you to notice the part where the stool has to be pushed in, Drew, because you're going to be like, I don't understand why it needed to be that way, and neither do I. To make sure he doesn't die. Me, yeah, but I mean, like again, like if if you were stopping his fall with it, fine, but it his head should still hit the table. Like nothing. <laughs> nothing it's like the weirdest butterfly effect type of thing or it doesn't make any sense and and like i'm not saying like life is strange is perfect but life is strange definitely did this stuff better yes um and did either of you play life is strange to completion yes i have not but i desperately want to okay i i won't spoil it but that game the ending of that game yeah, that ending, the the final chapter of that game is is wild. Is one of my favorite things in video games ever, because yeah, it's yeah. this, but it's it's just it, this, this is so limiting, and that that moment is so fucking weird and feels so free. Even though I mean, they had to build it, so it's with it, you know, it's still going to be somewhat linear. But like, it's such a this is such a weird situation where I'm like, I can see the elements of this, but it's still not quite right. Mm. Um, Life is Strange is the perfect example of them obviously learning, because the let's first... Let's combat. Well, well, not even that. It's like good at that. The, the first three episodes of Life is Strange, it's the exact same thing. You, you know her abilities. You, she So everybody knows Life is Strange. Max has the ability to basically see into the future and reverse things so she can see how something plays out and then go back and say, okay, I don't want that to happen anyway. So the first three episodes, exact same thing, you know, her abilities. And then in the fourth episode, something happens and she tries something and it works. And I'm like, what? Well, no, I mean, before that, even like episode two, where you have the photo, I thought that was in episode three at the end no, of episode three. Episode, no, that's the end of episode two because episode three starts with... I'm almost certain. Hold on. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure... Because Life is Strange episode one start, ends at the rooftop. Yep. Sequence. Um, hold on. Uh, chapter... Three. I'm almost certain... I just want to make sure before I start tying. Um, Pretty sure at the end of episode three, that's the big cliffhanger that you're left with. If it's... Why can't I find a... I just want to know what what info is in... Um, God damn it. 
Sorry, I, I'm like it's just. What's the three? Okay. Um. You are. I believe you are correct. Okay. Yeah. Um. So she gets uh, basically a new ability well past halfway through the game. So it leads you into the rest of it. And it's not, oh, this episode she gets a new ability. This episode she gets a new ability. And it's just like, okay. So it sticks to its guns for a long time before it gets crazy. But that game gets wild. That game game is, is, and it's, it it just like playing remember me i can see the moments where i'm like oh this this will be very good and like i don't see that with the combat i see it with the memory mixing and that's what they did for their next game and like people shit on life is strange a lot but it's weird that this game is kind of held up as like a hidden gem to me i don't think this is a hidden gem at all uh... as of right now and maybe that changes but i don't know doubt it I don't think it. I don't know. It, this it's... game is this game is talked about with some sense of like this game is interesting, and to me, I'm like, and maybe it's because I play Life is Strange, but I don't, I don't feel that. Like, uh... I do think it's an interesting game. I just don't think it's a good game. No, yeah, that, that, that that's what I. How do I put this? It's kind of like. The difference between, like, when people say Deadly Premonition is interesting. Yeah, because it's taking all these risks. And Remember Me, I don't think, takes the risks as a game. It, it's, like, interesting in sort of plot, but it's, like, none of this really works except for the memory remixing, and you don't do that very much. Yeah. So, um, I do want to talk about this because I didn't realize this. Um, this game started development in 2008. Really? It was originally called Adrift, and you were going. You were the original concept of the game was a world flooded from global warming, with a key gameplay mechanic being the player character using jet skis to navigate a coastal city. Later, the team became interested in the concept of memory as a central theme and redesigned the game accordingly. Although director Jean Maxime Morris uh, was reluctant to set the game in Paris since the studio was based there. Uh, it was originally developed as a role-playing game with Sony publishing it exclusively for PlayStation 3, starting full development in February 2010. Following, uh, following creative disagreements between Don't and Sony, the subsequent cancellation of the project in February 2011 because of budget cuts, the project was presented at the tw- uh, 2011 Gamescom trade fair in the hope that, the, uh, that it would garner the attention necessary to secure another publishing deal. Capcom purchased the intellectual property in 2012 and provided funding for the project, reimagining it as an action-adventure game for release on multiple platforms. Okay. So to me, this is like a, oh, this is clearly, they didn't want really an action game originally, and then they made one. And it's just funny, because the other game that, they, that they've made of note is Vampire, and like most people go, yeah, the concepts are really neat, but the combat kind of sucks. I didn't know Don't Nod made Vampire. Yeah, yeah, Don't Nod made Vampire. Dang. Uh, this is their total list of games. Remember me, Life is Strange, Vampire, The Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit, Life is Strange 2. Okay. They have a new game coming out with uh, Bandai Namco called Twin Mirror. 
and a new game coming with from Xbox Studios with Xbox Studios called Tell Me Why. Huh. So, Tell Me Why sounds a little bit more like um, the. Uh, uh, sort of like drama parts of Life is Strange. Okay. So. Interesting. Well, and, and then Twin Mirror sounds more like the weird parts of Life is Strange. <laughs> okay. But it's like clear that that's kind of what the concept was, and it makes sense that the combat doesn't work. Then. Not that it's okay. I'm just saying. Like now, like now that I knew that, like now that I know that, like what I'm playing, like oh yeah, this feels disjointed for a reason, maybe. So we've got uh, we got two emails regarding remember me. Uh, the first one ah, comes in. Sorry, my nose is running for some reason. Uh, the first one comes in from Dustin. It says uh, greetings and salutations. My history can be pretty much summed up by you guys talking about it on N4G. It sounded cool then. Uh, PlayStation Plus had it for free. I claimed it when Fixdown hinted at doing it, and I've wanted to play it, and sat on it until now. I did play a demo that shows how you can play through a memory and remix it to make the subject believe something else by the end. And thought this game was pretty neat, and I imagine it was going to be a big mystery, and you're going to go around uh, remixing memories and sneaking around, and boy, was I wrong. <laughs> this game is an uncharted wannabe with mediocre combat, and the star of the game is a mem- is the memory sequences, and so far, halfway through this game, I've only done two. What the fuck? Yep. This is not what I was expecting in the slightest, but that's okay. I roll with the punches. I'm playing on hard. Oh, f- good luck to you then. Um, and so far, there's been a few fights that have been frustrating, mainly the boss fights and a couple fights with the invisible enemies you can't hit unless they're stunned or you have a light on. The boss fights are gimmicky and want you to use certain abilities, especially the second boss fight, which is very poorly designed. I had to look up tips just to make sure I was doing it right. I don't like looking up tips. Uh, the majority of the game is you jumping and climbing all over the place with random pictures littered about that show you where hidden upgrades are that are usually right around the corner. The movement of your character is so floaty and with no lock on, I've died multiple times just trying to maneuver around. The fight is fairly basic. Uh, I'm literally just using the three-square combo with different sins that match the fight. Uh, I'm hoping the latter half was has more memory remixes since that's the star of the game. But I got a feeling Edge is going to be the end bad guy and he was manipulating you from the get-go, which I also believe that as well. Uh, some things I wanted to point out is that this game didn't seem to develop any lip animations. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the standout lines so far is walking through the city in the first episode. Some guy says, what you brush your hair with, a hand grenade? <laughs> anyway, keep on keeping on. And... Our next email comes in from Chad again. Is, is that your default, Drew? What's Distrust up? of your friends, be it Regis or Edge? 
Hey, if you're helping me, you're probably a secret bad guy. All right, so Regis could go either way. Because you know why? The writing is better in The Witcher. Um, but is anybody here... Does anybody here think that Edge is a good guy? I mean, disembodied voice of person I've never seen? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think that's I think that answers my question. <laughs> I mean, it, if you started hearing voices in your head, would you trust them? <laughs> no. <laughs> Better than Osama bin Laden, like in the future, man. You've seen that? I haven't. You've still. You, this is the third time you've talked to me about Future Man, and I still have yet to watch it. Okay, he, I, he thinks he's talking to God. It turns out it's time traveling Osama bin Laden. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Who in this timeline never did bad things, and he's just a good guy that wants to be Futterman's friend, <laughs> Futureman's friend. Oh my god! <laughs> okay. This reminds me. I can't even remember where it was from. <laughs> me and my friends used to quote it all the time. It, it was a YouTube video we watched. It's from a comedy skit, and it was about Vin Diesel uh, decides to go after Osama bin Laden. But he 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 goes in and um, goes to a cave to fight Osama bin Laden, and he gets bit by him. Come to find out, Osama bin Laden is radioactive, and now he's <laughs> Osama bin Diesel. <laughs> and it's I like that too. It is the dumbest crap ever. I guess you can look up Osama bin Diesel and and watch it. And me and my friends used to quote that all the time. Because he's obviously making fun of Vin Diesel. And we always say, because he says, he's supposed to say, I put two and two together. He said, I was Vin Diesel, but then I got bit by a radioactive Osama Bin Laden. And I put two on top of two. And now I'm Osama Bin Diesel. (laughs) (laughs) I have the love of caves, but I do not have the desire to kill. So fucking stupid. <laughs> anyway, Chad's email uh, says, uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to like this at first. It's very linear. The gameplay is fairly mundane. The puzzles are very hand-holdy. Uh, barely any challenge. And the characters are a bit underwhelming. However, the backdrop and presentation is interesting. The lore is intriguing. And the music is phenomenal. I looked up the composer and realized it is Olivier de Ververi. Uh He has become one of my favorite video game composers over the past several years. He's done Assassin's Creed Freedom Cry, and more recently, A Plague's Tale, Greedfall, and Streets of Rage 4. Uh, the first track on Greedfall is exceptional. I've recently uh, been wanting to replay that game as well. Uh, regardless of... Any early negative impressions, it does get better, particularly the combat and challenge. The combat system becomes more like a puzzle around the end of Chapter 4. Chaining special abilities and custom combat combos become essential for getting through different enemy types and boss encounters. In fact, acquiring some of Nilan's tech and abilities reminds me a little bit of Blood Omen 2. Well, hello. Yeah. Most of the characters seem kind of forgettable, pun intended, uh, except for Nillin and Edge. I'm curious if Edge is really an ally or if Edge is even Edge considering his contact. 
is all through some sort of comm system. I'm not entirely following the story too well, but the lore is fascinating. Let's get deep for a second. Who are we but a collection of thoughts and memories? Oh, here we go. Uh, if you can manipulate memories and then you can manipulate thoughts. Uh, if you can manipulate thoughts, you can control the person. Incentivize people uh, with, with the idea of digitizing, retaining, and recalling any memory you want, even if they are not your own. People start getting addicted to the natural chemicals produced by happy memories and they continue reliving them instead of creating new ones. Introduce a glitch or virus that perpetuates negative memories and people start turning into literal monsters. Kind of reminds me of a modern day online community. Uh, paging Dr. Ian Malcolm, uh, they were so focused on whether they could do something <laughs> that they never stopped to ask and think if they should do it. Uh, when I was reading um, kind of the development, they mentioned stuff like social media, that this is kind of what they were going for. It was like a social media sort of um, uh, parallel. And I mean, it's not, it's not a secret that Facebook has been known to sort of like, well, we're going to give this person more negative content to see how they respond. Right? So like, it's not the idea of the corporation is probably one of the most realistic versions of that. Like what if you gave a corporation too much power? The problem is, is that the, the idea of being able to extract memories is so absurd. Right. Um, we can make false memories for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, but being able to take them out, yeah, I don't see that being a possibility. I mean, you, memories are so frail as it is and like it's literally just chemicals being shot and like electricity being shot through like a pound of wet meat you know like being able to extract a single memory and be like yep there we go and and have it yeah but i mean the concept of the company though is is one of the more realistic and 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 that it's not it's presented as evil, but like I don't ever think the corporation part is is presented as fully evil in this. They do have zombies, mind you, but whatever. It says here, uh, the prison concept is interesting, where memories are temporarily confined, so that uh, so much so that the inmates don't have any recollection of the outside world, minimal hostilities, and zero ambition to escape. However, their memories are returned upon release without their experiences. Uh, while imprisoned. But then I started thinking, what's the punishment if you don't know why you were there or why you're incarcerated and you have no memory of it after the release? Imagine serving 40 plus years and getting released as an old man. It would be like going from your 20s to 30s to 60s to 70s in a moment and not knowing how you got there. Madam says the uh, incarnation memory wipe is for security reasons to stop break-ins, but they make it clear that it's just a cover-up so nobody knows they are experimenting on the inmates. Oh, man. All right, Anthony, you... Go ahead and just admit it. You're Chad, right? No. Okay. There are, <laughs> so, there are some elements of this game that remind me of a Robin Williams movie called The Final Cut. Hey! <laughs> hey! So... 
it did remind me of that too. And when you DM me about it, I was like, yeah, sure. I remember this. Um, but it, what immediately came up to me was the black mirror episode, uh, the entire history of you. If anybody remembers that episode, I don't want, so, so fun fact, as much as I like talking about this stuff, I don't watch black mirror because I don't like black mirror. Why? (laughs) Because, and this is, this is, this is an issue with all sort of cyberpunk, although cyberpunk's a bit more pick and choose. Um, the, the issue I have, sorry, somebody was dragging a chair upstairs. Um, the issue I have with Black Mirror is every episode can be summed up as, see, isn't technology bad? Like, okay, but that's if you use it poor, like, they're implying, they're implying a, 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 they're, they're implying these characteristics to technology and, and less so the people, unlike, say, the Twilight Zone, where, yeah, like, there's that camera that can take pictures, you know, what is it, four seconds into the future or whatever. The The fault is not the camera. The fault is the people that use it. And my issue with Black Mirror is it's always this, this push against technology, but literally it is being streamed on technology. Like, everything that's made Black Mirror possible is technology. Like, you can't be like, well, isn't this bad? Look at me using it. <laughs> it's, it's so fucking counterproductive and stupid to me. And like, I realize on every episode's that, but it's just a lot of them are like, look how technology's going to corrupt us all. Like, it's literally named Black Mirror because that is what your phone is when it's turned off. The entire history of you, you should probably watch that one because it is... The, the the moral of the story, sure, technology is bad, but the moral of the story is you don't need this. Because it's basically everybody everybody in the world has this camera system set up in their eyes. And you can go back and rewatch whatever you saw up to, you know, when you were a child. A lot, a lot like the Final Cut kind of thing. Anyway. That was the episode that sold me on Black Mirror, actually. Yeah. Because in, in at the end, the end of the episode, you see what he does, and you're like, "Oh, I get it. He doesn't want this ability anymore." But anyway, uh, so uh, some of the elements of this game remind me of a Robin Williams movie called The Final Cut. It was one of the last. It was one of his last serious roles. It was about society electing to have their children receive an embryonic implant that records all memories throughout their life, which can be referenced and uh, edited after they die. These are there are groups that oppose the concept and state their uh, parents violated their privacy and rights at birth. Only specific people called cutters are licensed to access and manipulate the implant memories. One of the conditions of the license is that they can't have an implant themselves or else their memories could contain all of the memories of the people they surveyed. It's actually not a bad movie and you should check it out if you haven't seen it already. Anyway... I'm sure you're sick of uh, reading these emails at this point, so I'll leave it up there. I'll provide a remember me wrap up next week. Till next time, Chad. Uh, thank you both for those emails. I, the, the reason, the reason why I like, first of all, the reason why I remember the final cut 
Although I had to look up the name of it because I don't remember it. I think that's a very generic name for that movie. But um, is because there was nothing like it when I saw it. Like, the concept alone was so fucking weird. So... It, it is streaming on Prime Video also, if anyone wants to watch it. I think it's a good watch. I mean, it's maybe a bit dated now. I haven't seen it in years, but um, it's and and I should I should um, say like I don't hate Black Mirror, but it's just like that's what's turned me off of it is just the constant sort of like nagging feeling that they're just kind of shitting on technology. But it's like everybody uses this. Like what what are you? It's kind of like when um, people kind of play this moral card of like don't you know that this is uh, this is cruelty and stuff it's like you type that from a fucking iphone man you know like what what point are we gonna have this conversation of like you turn off that thought process a bit like hey this is recorded on high def cameras and streamed over netflix netflix who clearly has a bunch of data on people on what they watch and can contribute like you know new stuff to and like they have all this information like let's not address that part like you know and before it was netflix it was on television which i think was channel four in the uk and it's like again there's all this stuff and it's like i get it it's things we should address but at some point in time i'm just like i i know i fucking know man and I know there's more futuristic stuff, and there's episodes that are like not loved by some people. But um, the the most interaction I've had with, other than watching like a few scenes here and there from stuff that I didn't know I was watching Black Mirror, um, is the Miley Cyrus episode because it's the remixes of Nine Inch Nails music is kind of humorous, and I like them. <laughs> so, so here's I'll give you. Give me a, give me on air right now okay. the episodes I should watch. Let me let me grab a pen because okay. I want to make sure I write it down. It is also like the Michael Crichton idea. Like all, most of his books, where technology is bad. Yeah, yeah and I, don't get I mean, me wrong. Jurassic I, Park is technology gone bad. I think that if it is human hubris too, right? Like, yep. Uh, and I don't have an issue with technology is bad. It, my issue is that, like, you have a series, and the whole concept is technology is bad. And it's like, well, it's kind of like, people are like, it's kind of like the Twilight Zone for modern day. And I'm like, no, because a lot of the Twilight Zone is trying to dissect people. Right. Not yeah. the thing that people made. And I get it. A lot, a lot of, like, Black Mirror has to do with that as well, but it's like... It, it, I, I would have almost said more of it, right? I wouldn't have said that you summarize Black Mirror as technology is bad. I would have said you summarize it as technology is inevitable. The way that we use it and the way that we react to it should be measured and thought through. It just feels like the common denominator is like, well, if technology wasn't there to me. That, again, from the outside. But it, it's just one of those things where it's like, I watched the... What was the episode called, Drew? Uh, the Entire History of You. And I will then, watch that because it seems relevant to the situation it, it uh, is. Like, of what we're <clears throat> playing. So I will give you two other episodes to watch. Uh, this one because you like video games. Playtest. Okay. 
And my favorite episode of Black Mirror, Shut Up and Dance. Shut Up and All Dance. Right. Shut Up and Dance is a modern like it's it could happen today. Those three are my favorite episodes. I'll give it a shot. Maybe I'll like it. It just one of those things where it's like Yeah. I I it, it it's the same with um a lot of stuff. Like a lot of stuff falls into the I don't you know, like I'm tired of Blade Runner sort of stuff of like robots are gonna rule the world and like we there's only a sure. few episodes of Black Mirror. This no, no, I know. Not I'm not talking about Black Mirror. I'm just talking about in general. In the, general, the technology is evil sort of stories. It's like the robots are going to rise up. Like you know, they're going to take over humanity. Like you know, and I know that there's stories about it, but it's like I'm, if I was a robot, the last thing I'd want to do is be human. Like <laughs> what? You know. So it's just one of those things where it's like it's it's constantly the same thing and. I, I think the memory idea is interesting, so I'll definitely watch the entire history of you. Um, assuming it's going to do it better than this this game does. Matt, do you have By any the... suggestions for episodes? What's some of your favorites? Uh, I like. I really like the other episode in season one. I mean, it, it, I don't know. It feels a little generic. 15 million merits. Yeah, that's a depressing one. I thought the White Christmas one was interesting. Yeah, and they keep going back to that, too. Yep. Shut Up and Dance, actually, I would have said is one of my favorites as well. Oh, that was really good. Yeah. Uh, right. The other one people talk about a lot is the USS Callister. Yeah. I don't know that I love it as much as I wanted to, but I did like it. I've yeah. heard of that one, so obviously it's made. That's the one that's kind of set up like a Star Trek yeah. episode. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I'll give that one a shot too. And then Bandersnatch, just as the interactivity is mildly interesting. That that was I, I enjoyed that that there's there's a I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but there's a part where I was like, I'm gonna click on this <laughs> <laughs> and see what happens. <laughs> Oh, uh, that was that was unique as hell. I've never yeah, seen it was unique. Like that. And, and the whole idea of choose your own adventures is, you know, outside of games is, is a bit dry. There aren't too many opportunities for it. This one was a good example of it. This is totally irrelevant to the situation that we're talking about. But if you like that, there is a specific DVD copy of the Final Destination Three <laughs> that is like choose your own adventure. And they recorded, I think, at least two murders per person. <laughs> so you get to choose what happens, and sometimes the people live, which drastically changes. Like, it's such a weird movie, and it's clearly filmed for, like, DVD and not theaters because of that. It's, it's fascinating. Um, you can literally end that movie in, like, less than five minutes because you can just tell them to go home. And everybody survives, and it gives you a little update on what happened to them. Hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's a fascinating thing. But yeah, I'll give these Black Mirror episodes a, a, a watch. Um, 
but uh, you know, I, I like cyberpunk stuff, but it's just it's uh, like I said, it's it's always just kind of like more about like, well, you see, if without the technology, people wouldn't do that. It's like, yeah. I suppose. Uh, and this in this game, we should note this game is not having that message. Like the messages in this game, if they're trying to have any, are kind of lame. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things it does really well, though. I mean, the game's gorgeous. Yeah, so I forgot to mention that. I'm the playing atmosphere the Xbox in the version. world is, yeah. The Xbox version looks fantastic. Yeah. I'm playing on the PC, and I got it cranked up to 11. Are you playing, what are you playing on, Matt? Uh, PS3. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this still game, great. yeah, I can't believe how good this game looks for being, what, seven years old? And it's twofold for me. It's it's both like technically it looks really good. Like I, I had the game just sitting there uh, after w- one of the fights where it was raining, and so you had the you had the neon reflections on the ground underneath you being you know a- ever changing due to the rainfall, and just that moment alone, I was like, wow, that that actually looks fantastic. But it, so it's like the technical bits, but also the whole idea of. Neo Paris, and when you do get those couple of shots in the first couple of chapters that hint at the world around you, like the the art and the style and the the density of things and garbage on the ground, and you know, it, it, I like the style of it as well as the technical competence of it. There you go. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. This is actually a long one, but um, I appreciate everybody listening. If you'd like to send us an email, it is drew at ztgd.com. We'll read it out on the air. Tell us about Remember Me. I know we got a couple people playing along with us. Uh, hopefully, I'm still holding my reserves for it. Maybe it maybe it changes. Maybe it gets a little bit better. We'll see. Um, but uh, you can also tweet to us. I am at Drew Leachman. Matt is at REMGS. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Uh, but that's going to be it for us. Uh, we're going to get out of here. We will be back next week to finish up. But, uh, and we still, and I guess next week we will discuss what we're doing next. Because I don't know. Next week, Drew, you better remember stuff because I don't want to have to. You don't want to host it? No, I don't want to be your host of your podcast. It's not Everybody's my podcast. Everybody's going to hate it. Everybody's going to be like, why the fuck would you let him? And I'd be like, yeah, I don't know, man. That's. <laughs> I feel like taking the day off. But anyway, uh, we're going to get out of here. Hope you guys have a great week. Until next time, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And I'm tired. And we're gone. We'll be back next week with the continuation and conclusion of Remember Me. Remember me.